Man, so good to be with you today and, uh, and to worship the Lord together. Uh, before we get into the message, I want to mention we have notes. If you did not receive notes, uh, you may want them. There's a good prayer model on the back that I wrote, and then there's notes here. Uh, if you did not receive those, just lift your hand real high, and our floor host will help you. We'll make sure you have them today. Lots and lots and lots and lots of scripture. I thought about reading the whole New Testament this morning. Thought that might be a little much for you, but we do have a lot there, so I'd love you to have those references. If you did not, there's a couple of hands over here. I don't know who's on this side, the couple of hands down here. Help us out if you would. I want to mention before we get going, uh, we have uh, a superintendent in the house uh, from Arizona, is that right? The great state of Arizona, Steve Harris, is that, is that correct? I don't know where I'm looking, so hey, Pastor, welcome, glad that you are here. And uh, I, this last week, our, our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, had our uh, biannual, I don't know how you say that, biannual or biennial, I don't know, every other year, is, I don't know what the word is for that. Uh, over here, Linda, Linda Lee forgot to get hers, it's okay. Uh, anyway, our, our fellowship had their every other year meeting this last week in Ohio, and uh, Look, look, I watched a lot of it online, did not go myself. Pastor Zach uh, went and uh, enjoyed, had a great time there. I say that because I want to say we're one of the few, it may be the only Pentecostal denomination that ordains women in ministry and allows women to serve as pastors, lead pastors or otherwise. And today we have uh, one of the five or six lead pastors uh, that is a woman in Indiana in our church today, my friend Debbie Lopez, pastoring in Linton, Indiana. Would you say hi to everybody, Debbie? I know. It's just a great honor to have you today as well. So glad that you're here. I love it when we, don't you love it when friends come to visit? It's so good. So good. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, uh, I've, uh, back in the spring, I felt very compelled by the Lord to deal with an issue that I think is fast coming and fast approaching, and that is the spirit of the age or the spirit of the Antichrist. How many of you see it in the world? Anybody see the spirit of the Antichrist? Just a few of you. Okay, some of you have your head in the sand, uh, but all the things happening in our culture and the things we're facing, you know, it's very easy to Americanize the gospel and see eschatology or see the end times through the lens of America or through the lens of the way we see the world. How many of you know the world's bigger than the United States? And there's a lot of things going on around the world uh, and the spirit of the age that we see in America in other parts of the world is even more developed than it is here. It's even more pronounced. It's even more taken root than it has here in America. And I just have felt for you know, several months just a compelling to talk about and really work to the spirit of the age because uh, if it was so important that John the apostle at the end of his life told us that the Antichrist was going to come, Jesus even said in the last days many people will come claiming to be Christ, there'll be Antichrist if you will, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if it was that important to mention in the first century that the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the world, how many of you think we ought to be able to recognize how the spirit of the Antichrist is present? prevalent and manifesting in our world. That's kind of important. Why is it important? The Bible says even the very elect of God could be deceived by the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist. 
And I think we're seeing that right now in church culture across the country and across Western, uh, the Western church. We're seeing, and I preached about it a few weeks ago, false gospels, and we're seeing compromised gospels. We're seeing gospels that are incongruent with the gospel we see in the New Testament. And it's happening. It's part of the spirit of the age. We see confusion. We see delusion. We see assaults on truth. We, I mean, we're just seeing all kinds of things right now that are happening in our world, and I think we need to be ready and we need to be prepared. Amen? So my hope is, let me tell you what my goals are. My goals are not to tell you when the rapture is going to happen. Because I don't know. I mean, (laughs) my goal is not to identify potential uh, antichrists, okay? My goal is not to uh, make you be afraid of all the things that are going to happen in the world and all the things that the Lord... My goal is for us to grow in our discernment of the things that we're seeing around the world so that we can be believers on mission from God and equipped to answer the things we're facing, not only in our culture, but around the world that that I would say identify as the spirit of the age or the spirit of the Antichrist. I want us to be ready. So we're going to start in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Dear children, the last hour is here. I mean, how many of you know that if in, you know, 75 or 80 AD, when John wrote those words, he was saying the last hour is here. We are in the last minutes, maybe the last seconds. And it is not going to be very long before Jesus comes back to get his church. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Capital A, because he's referring to an actual human. And, are all, and there are already many such Antichrists, not a specific person. It's not capitalized, if you notice. You gotta look at the nuances of the way the, the authors write. Many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us anyway. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they didn't belong to us. He's not just talking about church hoppers. Everybody with me? Okay. So I just, I just want to say that because like, you're like, oh my goodness, I just left a church. Maybe I'm the Antichrist. No, you're not the Antichrist. Okay. <laughs> Just for clarity, right? But you, verse 20, but you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit. Amen? And all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. How many of you know that's missing right now? You know that you can, through the Spirit of God, we can know the difference between truth and lies. And who is the liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. It's what Jesus said. Then skip down to 1 John chapter 4, a couple of pages over, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not... Believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Do not believe everyone who publishes a book is speaking for God. Amen, Pastor. 
You must test the spirit to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God, if a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and doesn't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Look what it says. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. I want you to notice he calls it a spirit. Which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you, verse four, I love this. But you, dear children, belong to God. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen. Those people... You guys get way more excited about scripture than my words, and that is awesome. <laughs> Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint. Have you watched the news lately, right? And the world listens to them. I mean, do you see it, guys? Do you see it? But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth. Or here's another word for the Antichrist, the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception. Jesus, I pray this message, these messages have been a battle, and you know it, God. And I pray right now that you would help people to hear what you need them to hear, not what I say. I bind the spirits of darkness and deception from twisting my words, making people hear things I don't say. Let us hear clearly what the Spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what is the Antichrist? Just quickly, what is the Antichrist? Well, Christ, I don't know, Christ literally means Christos, or in Hebrew, the Messiah. But then we have that word anti, and there's really two meanings in the Greek to this word. Anti means against the Messiah. How many of you figured that one from English, 10th grade English, right? Anti means against the Messiah. So that's really the spirit that we're facing in the world. I don't know if you've recognized, but the spirit that's in the world right now is against God and against his followers. Have you seen that uptick recently? There's an uptick in that. We're just beginning to feel it. Our brothers and sisters around the world have been feeling it for a few decades. But it has upticked a little bit, and that's that spirit the Bible talks about, that antichrist, it's against Christ, it's the antithesis of what Jesus stood for. But then you've also got a meaning that says this, it's in place of, it is a, a false Christ that stands in place of the genuine Christ. Now, I believe that the two meanings that are there, one, the spirit, that's at work in the world now, but the other is an actual person who will stand as an imitation of Jesus. In fact, if you read Revelation chapter 13, it talks about the rise of the Antichrist or the beast. There's a number of names for him, the son of perdition, uh, the abomination that causes desolation. There's a bunch of names. We're just gonna call him the Antichrist. When he arises, he's, he actually like, dies and rises from the dead. And there's just some, there's some weird parallel. It's all fake. It's probably AI, but it's all fake. I was just side note. <clears throat> Cause you could do that, right? Like that could be legit friends. 
But the point is, is that the, when, when the Antichrist rises, he is the, the, the actual person of the Antichrist, he will embody the spirit that's already here, but he will do it in personified as a, as a person. And he will imitate or he will be a false Christ. So he will be a savior to the world. He will be someone who looks like they have all the answers to all the problems in the world, and those problems are vast and are great and are only increasing, and the Antichrist will solve problems that have been plaguing man forever. He will solve the Palestinian and Israeli problem. I mean, he's going to solve all these problems, and so he will, you know, just like Jesus solved the problem of sin and death, he will come and seemingly solve problems. And because of that, he's, de- he's deception, people, many, 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 many millions, billions of people will follow him and believe that he is the savior or the Messiah that Jesus was. He's in place of Christ. As we get closer to the return of Jesus, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist will grow and has grown. And I just, we're going to read some stuff this morning that I just want you to understand if you're struggling today to follow Jesus, it's only going to be more difficult as we go forward. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to tell you that, ah, it's going to be a piece of cake and we're going to, you know, when Jesus comes back and he, you know, we, we go to meet him in the air, it's, it, everything in the world's going to be awesome. It's not going to be any problem. You know, we're going to, you're going to do just fine. I just want you to know, Jesus said, the world will hate you because of me and we're not quite there yet. Are you with me? I'd rather tell you the truth so you can be prepared than lie to you and give you a false hope. There are things coming that we're going to face. So what does is, what is the spirit of the Antichrist look like in the world? Let me just give you, uh, I'm going to give you three things this morning that I see in the spirit, characteristics of the spirit of the Antichrist. But next Sunday, I'm going to give you three more, three more next Sunday. And then the last Sunday on the 20th, you don't want to miss that one. We're going to talk about what, how we've got to live our lives, how we have to live our lives to combat and to live through and uh, and and. Frankly, guys, what did we just read? We have the victory, right? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We don't have to be afraid of the spirit of the Antichrist or even the real guy because we've got the power of God with us, okay? So that last Sunday, I want to talk about how we live in the world that's full of the spirit of Antichrist for the Lord. So let's talk about these three characteristics this morning. The first one's this. The spirit of the age or the spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of hatred, the spirit of the, that's your first blank. The spirit of the age or the spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of hatred. Here's how we know. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father, can you even imagine this, dads? A father will betray his own child. Children will, will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations, everybody say all nations, will hate you because you are my followers. That's heavy. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Hatred is nothing new. The Bible tells us that Cain hated Abel because he was accepted by God, so he murdered him. 
But the idea of hatred, if you will, has exponentially increased in the last 20 or 30 years, but especially as we look at it from our nation of the world, our little corner of the world, especially in the last five to seven years, maybe 15 years, we've seen hatred significantly increase across the world and especially here in America. We hate one another. People hate others who don't look like them. This is like, I think, the most basic form of hatred, and I would say the stupidest form of hatred. But racial tensions have increased significantly in the last uh, uh, decade or so, but especially since 2020. We don't need to rehash all the things that have gone. What I want you to see is how the spirit of the Antichrist has manipulated the situations that have happened around the world and caused that hatred to be vitriol to be intense, right? You see it? And it's, it's because in, in, in this one way, it's because we don't look the same. Uh, you, you know, we would, we would think if we watched the news and we listened to what the American talking heads say, that this is an American problem, but the actual reality is hatred of skin color or, a, or, or of origin or ethnicity or whatever is all over the world. It is a human problem. I've been to Eastern Europe and seen how the Eastern Europeans hate and despise the Roma. I've seen how Africans of darker skin hate Africans of lighter skin, and Africans of lighter skin hate Africans of darker skin. There's a caste system in the nation of India that's based on skin color and based on place in life and based on, you know, if somebody is born in a certain family or born in a certain, certain tribe, there's tribal hatred all over uh, Africa, all because we don't look the same. Hatred, we hate others because they don't look like us. We hate others because they don't think like us. Politicians are the throne setters of this class of hatred. They hate everybody who doesn't think the way they think and look at the world that they look at the world, the way they look at the world. But that vitriol, and I think we would, we, we would say, yeah, has, has spilled over into mainstream America. We've stopped having conversations about difficult issues, and we've allowed the emotion of hatred to win the day. We have an inability to think for ourselves, let alone have reasonable discourse with anyone who may have a differing opinion. So all I'm trying to say is that when it comes to our thinking and the way that we're looking at the world, our worldview, the way we look at politics, the way we look at whatever, frankly, even the way we look at the church, the spirit of the age comes in and drives wedges between people who ought to be more on the same page who ought to not necessarily agree about everything, but ought to at least be traveling and traversing the same pathway. We have doctrinal differences with brothers and sisters in other denominations. I mentioned one this morning about women in ministry and ordaining women in ministry. We don't vitriol, vitriolly hate other denominations because they don't ordain women, though. We have a disagreement there. Fundamental. But we love our brothers and sisters. Are you, are you with me? And we're just at a place now where the enemy has driven such a wedge in the ways of thinking that we struggle, we struggle to even have uh, discourse with anyone who differs in us. We just fight and yell at one another. 
And I just want you to know that's the spirit of the age. When you engage in that kind of activity, if you do, when you engage in that kind of activity, it's like uh, winning arguments with stupid people on Facebook, right? Anybody won one of those ever? When we engage, here's what I want you to see. When we engage in things like that, we're engaging the spirit of the age. When we allow our emotional hatred to dig in an ideology or dig in a way of thinking or dig in ourselves. I'm not talking about truth. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about biblical truth. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about nonsense. Things that, did you notice things that divide us are, aren't that important, aren't the important things? When we allow those things to drive wedges and for hatred to grow, we're engaging the spirit of the age. Lastly, people hate others because they don't act like them. They don't look like them. They don't think like them. And lastly, they don't act like them. Christians hate sinners. Let's just be honest, guys. Christians hate sinners because they don't act like we think they should act. I'm always shocked when a Christian hates a sinner who's acting like a sinner. I don't get it. Now, if you're a believer and you claim Christ and you act like a sinner, we have things to talk about. But if you don't love God and you hate God and you decide you're going to act like a sinner, I don't think Christians should be shocked by that. But we are. We say, I'm, I'm talking to us, guys. We say we love the sinner but hate the sin, but our actions and our voices and our words would say otherwise. And we better be very careful how we go. Because when we allow those kinds of things to come in, we say it publicly, we say the right things publicly, but behind the scenes, we call people names, we're vitriol, we make jokes, we do all these things to demoralize and dehumanize other people. And it's hatred. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. I mean, just think about the last couple of years. People hated others for wearing a mask. People hated others for not wearing a mask. People hated others for taking a vaccine. People hated others for not taking a vaccine. People hate others for saying too much or not saying enough. People hate others for standing up for something or not standing up for anything. How many of you know you can't win? I just want you to see that hatred is a condition of the human heart. It can't be solved by education. It can't be solved by, I'm sorry, hatred is not solved by educational processes, counseling, community organization. It's not solved by understanding other people better. Hatred, true hatred can only be addressed through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to change a heart. But I also want you to see the root of hatred. The root of hatred is pride and selfishness. And here's what I mean. I've said this for a long time. If everybody in my sphere of life would just do everything that I say, the world would be good. How many of you feel the same way? Just be honest. It's a prideful thought, right? I mean, I think it's true. Why? Because it gives me comfort. If everybody's doing what I want, it gives me comfort, right? I'm good. 
Nobody's messing up my world and my worldview. But that's the root of hatred because when we get to that point, we're like, well, you're not like me, so I'll hate you. Or because I am superior, I have the better way. I've thought about this more critically than you've thought about this. I am the best. And we, it's a fallacy coming from a place of authority trying to prove our point. But what it really is is the spirit of the age. God calls us to humility. God calls us to humble ourselves. So what the spirit of the age does is it it enhances the hatred and creates environments for hatred to flourish and go to a new level. This is on purpose. The Antichrist is at work in the spirit of hatred. If we're going to respond as God's people to the spirit of hatred, we're going to have to respond in the opposite spirit. What's the opposite spirit to the spirit of hatred? You guys are awesome. It's love. I think of things like love covers a multitude of sins. What if the next time somebody yells at you because of a way you think or a way you look or what you're, you know, what you're about, what if instead you love them? Jesus said, like, when somebody punches you in the face, let them punch the other side. Some people need punch in the face. (laughs) Jesus said it this way. I'll just read the scripture. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. Especially in a culture and a state of the world so consumed with hate and so easy to hate one another. And in fact, hatred is very acceptable. But Jesus says, do the opposite, love, do good, bless them. Man, Lord help us. The spirit of the age is a spirit of hatred. But here's where hatred ultimately goes. The, the sec, your second blank, the spirit of the age is the spirit of violence. The spirit of the age is the spirit of violence. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 17. When the son of man returns, it will be like in Noah's day. You mean we'll have rain like last night, just all the time? No, look at Genesis 6. God said to Noah, here's what Noah's day was like. I am going to put an end to all people. God was so, God is patient. He was so frustrated with the level of wickedness in mankind that it could not be redeemed, that he says to Noah, I'm going to end it all because the earth is filled with violence. I mean, I just think about, I know the Noah story. It's a great Sunday school story. It's a great thing. You know, I remember like the, the flannel graph board. I mean, it's amazing. Great story. But when you look at the roots of it, and when Jesus says, in the last days, it will be like the days of Noah, what that means is wickedness and violence will be so prevalent and so abounding around us, around all of us, that God must do something. Hatred in its natural development gives way to violence. And now more than ever, violence is increasing. I mean, we have violence at peewee football games. I don't know what we call them around here, but you just have to watch TikTok to see. I've been watching the baseball violence when they punch the umpires and the coaches get in a brawl all over a baseball game with eight-year-olds. 
I mean, we shake our head and it makes no sense, right? Domestic violence and sexual violence like rape are on the increase. Fox News recently reported a story of a woman being gang raped in broad daylight while hundreds of onlookers did nothing to help her. You know what they did? Because that's what we do now. You know why? Because the spirit of the age, which is the spirit of violence, has made us fall in love with violence. Civil unrest is happening. We had just a riot in New York City over some shoes or something the other day. I mean, it just, it devolves so quickly into violence and destruction. It's taken root. In 2020, there were, now we didn't have school for half the year, but in 2020, there were 10, only 10 school shootings. In 2022, there were 51. In 20, just for reference, in 2019, there were 24. So from 2019 to 2022, violence has in more than doubled, at least as it relates to mass shootings. Violence is something that has taken root in our lives. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined, can you even think about that? Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. A man by the name of Lieutenant David Grossman says this in a book he wrote called On Killing. We are reaching the stage of desensitization at which the inflicting of pain and suffering has become a source of entertainment, vicarious pleasure rather than revulsion. We are learning to kill and we are learning to like it. You know what's poignant to me about that? The Bible told that we just read a verse, but there's, other, there's another place we'll read where the Bible tells us that in the last days, many people, even many Christians will be handed over to death. Do you know that if we are desensitized to violence, it's setting it up for genocide and for an opportunity for persecution to take place like that? Because this is what we'll do. It's happening right now. It's not like coming, it's here. The spirit of the age is the spirit of violence. Our thirst for violence, our lust for blood is insatiable. Why is this happening? Because the spirit of the age is increasing around the world. How does God feel about violence? Psalm 11, 5, the Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. Look what he says. He hates those who love violence. He hates those who love violence. How do we overcome the spirits of hatred and violence? We already talked about the spirit of hatred, but the opposite spirit of love. Well, the opposite spirit of violence is peace. I want you to note two things about those two statements. God said he is love, right? So when we extend love to people, when our enemies, those who hate us, whatever it would be, when we love them anyway, we are being God to them. Are you with me? What is one of the names of Jesus? The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, when we engage peace instead of violence, we are saying to the world that we are of a different breed. 
Look what it says in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. We should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. How many of you know if we could have more wisdom in the church, more righteousness in the church, and more devotion to God in the church, we'd be in really good shape. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from these things, to cleanse us and make us his own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Bringing good things to the world. Where is the Antichrist trying to take the world with hatred and violence. One place. The spirit of the age, your third blank, the spirit of the age is the spirit of fear. The spirit of the age is the spirit of fear. Jesus talking to the disciples in Luke 21 says there will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven, and these aren't the miraculous signs of like, uh, like somebody's leg growing back or whatever. He's talking about great things in the physical heavens that are going to take place. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my follow- followers but this will be your opportunity to tell them about, about me. Look at this next, next sentence. So don't worry. Don't be afraid in advance. Don't allow fear to overwhelm your life. How you'll answer the charges against you. How you'll get out of it. How you'll survive. For I will give you the right words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. I'm pretty good thinking on my feet. If we talk and you're not good thinking on your feet, I will overwhelm you. I do it all the time to my wife because she thinks and processes. How many of you are thinkers and processors before you speak? Guess what? Someday you're going to get drugged before a governor or a mayor or some dude who thinks he's something. And you're not going to have time to process and think about what you want to say. And that freaks you out. But the promise of God is in that moment, don't be afraid. Don't even try to reason it out ahead of time. Some of you right now are thinking, what would I say? Let me, write, let, let me make some notes in my phone. But the word of the Lord, the anointed word of the Lord delivered through your lips in a moment like that, the Bible says no one will be able to refute it. You don't have to plan it ahead of time. You don't have to have it all thought through and figured out. God in the moment will give you the words to say and the things to do. And look what it says. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They'll even kill some of you and everyone will hate you. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your soul. Amen? a recent survey of top fears of Americans. 
Apparently, they do this every year. It's by Chapman University in Orange, California, and it's entitled, The Sky is Falling and a Serial Killer is Chasing Me. What are we we most afraid of? 62% of Americans are afraid of corrupt government officials. And everybody said. 60% are are afraid of a serious illness in someone they love. That's a byproduct of the fear of COVID, which the spirit of the age used to instill fear in so many people. 59.6% percent of Americans fear Russia using nukes. That might be a legit fear as well. 59.1% of Americans fear a loved one dying. Another product of COVID-19 in my opinion. 56% fear World War III. (laughs) I'm not going to, at two o'clock this morning, all my power went out in my house, which means my fan went off, which means I woke up. You want to know what my first thought was? I bet an EMP just happened. That was my first thought. I'm like checking my phone. Well, my phone still works. It must be okay. (laughs) 53.7% fear economic collapse, not having enough money. The Antichrist ultimately rules the world through economic fear. It isn't theological fear. It isn't theological uh, corruption. It isn't the fear of death. Those are not the things he rules the the world with. He rules the world through economic fear, buying and selling. The world Jesus described is not pleasant. It's going to be difficult. What does fear want us to do as believers? What does fear do to us? If we give in to fear in our lives, what does it do? It paralyzes us. It freezes us. It causes us to cower in silence. So we don't speak up when we should. We don't reach out when we should. I would venture to say many of you in this room in the last month, God has put somebody in your heart and your mind that that he's asking you to reach into their lives and whether they're saved or not saved, just reach into their lives and you hesitate because you're not sure how they'll receive it. Well, if I say that to them, I don't know, you know, they might. So so we hesitate. That's fear. Are Are you with me? It's fear. And when we give into fear as believers, when we don't reach out when we should, we don't help others when we should, when we give in to fear, we engage the spirit of the Antichrist. Here's how the prophet Isaiah said it in Isaiah 24, 18, whoever flees at the sound of terror, whoever flees at fear will fall into a pit. Fear is one of the greatest enemies of the kingdom of God. What is the opposite spirit of the spirit of fear? Faith. You guys are three for three. Faith. Faith. If we could have the spirit of love and the spirit of peace and we could have great faith, there's nothing the enemy could do to us. Acts chapter four. I'm I'm almost done. Acts chapter four. After being threatened not to speak about Jesus, this is the apostles. In fact, we'll get to this here in a few weeks. After being threatened to not speak about Jesus, and look right here, and when they had prayed, Oh, you threaten me about speaking about Jesus or about my faith? My first reaction is to pray. 
When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, their prayers produce faith that produce an ability to stand against the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the age, and boldly proclaim the kingdom of God. That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of faith. I want you to notice that faith is birthed through the power of prayer. Fear is a spirit. Faith is a power that's already in your life. The spirit of the age. The spirit of the age is hatred and violence and fear. But the spirit of God is a spirit of love. A spirit of peace. And a spirit of faith. That's how we overcome. So look, the reality is many believers around the world and probably some of us here today are giving in to the spirit of the age in our lives. We're allowing hatred, violence, or fear to have a place in our life, to have a grip in our life, to have some standing or some stronghold. Maybe you hate sinners. Maybe you hate people that don't think like you or look like you or act like you. Maybe you're very comfortable with violence and violence is something that you lust after. Or maybe you're that person that is afraid and gives into fear and struggles to trust the Lord with the things in your life. You're giving in to the spirit of the Antichrist. And the Bible's clear. Don't give in to the spirit of the Antichrist. You are of a different spirit. You're of a different spirit. Some of us, though, have our head in the sand. And we're so distracted by the affections of our life and by the things of this world that we're like the frog in the warm water. And as the heat is turned up, we don't even notice that it's starting to boil. And your head is so far buried in the sand because you don't want to look at it and you don't want to acknowledge it because it might mean you have to change something about the way you're living. I just want to say to you, God is calling you to transformation. He's calling you to change. Let him change who you are. But some of us are so full of the world and so full of the spirit of the age that you've become consumed by your lust for hatred and violence. It's your first response. It's the first thing. Somebody questions you, hatred rises up. Somebody does something you don't like, hatred rises up. And hatred gives way eventually to violence. I just want to say to you today, change your spirit. Reject the spirit of the age. Reject the spirit of the Antichrist and come to the spirit of God. He'll change you. He'll make you new. So I just want to ask you, in fact, let's just stand. I don't have a really great plan right now. Here's my plan. (laughs) 
as believers. I want us to be equipped with the Spirit of God. I want us to be strengthened to stand, and I want us to have discernment to see what the enemy is trying to do around the world. I don't want anybody to be caught off guard with what we see from the enemy of our soul. But to do that, we have to engage the things of the Lord. We have to choose the spirit of love, the spirit of peace, and the spirit of faith. So, with eyes wide open, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've struggled with the spirit of the age. I've struggled with hatred a time or two in my life. I've struggled maybe even with violence. I've struggled with those things, those lust for those things. I love those things. I've embraced those things. And I see today, this morning, the Holy Spirit has illuminated in my heart that I have allowed some of those things to take root in me. But today, I want to root them out. I want to pull those roots out, and I want to deposit, plant the good seed of the Spirit and the Word of God. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Eyes are open. Everybody's looking around. Doesn't matter. Come on, raise them up real high. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Come on. Hatred, violence, doesn't matter. I, I, I like how Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians. Such were some of you. Oh, you used to be violent. Oh, you used to hate. Oh, you used to have all these things. Such were some of you, but you've been bought. You've been sanctified. So keep your hand up. Jesus' name, Father, come on, I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to confess it. Come on, let's pray, church. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, those that are here that have given themselves to some of these spirits of the age, Lord, they're certainly not possessed by it. They're certainly not walking after it, but they let those flames of hatred come. They let those violent tendencies come. Lord, they, they have those things where the spirit of the age, the spirit of the Antichrist has just kind of got some claws into them. We just rip them out right now. God, we uproot the spirit of the age, the spirit of the Antichrist in Jesus' name. We curse that spirit. We curse that spirit of fear. We curse that spirit of darkness. We curse that spirit of the age. We curse that spirit of violence. We curse that spirit of hatred right now. Come on, curse it in your own life. Come on, if you know you're a racist, curse it right now. We curse it, God. Come on, if you know you hate homosexuals, curse that spirit right now. That's a spirit of hatred. We curse it, God. We curse these demonic things that we would not live in them anymore. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, before we end, I want everybody in the room, would you lift your hands right now? And I want you to thank God that he is love. Come on, would you open your mouth? Don't listen to me do it. I want you to say it. Come on, Lord, I thank you that you are love and that your love is everlasting and is mighty and is glory. God, I thank you for the love of God that I never outrun, that I never miss, God. Your love is incredible. Thank you that you are love and you teach us every moment of every day exactly what it is. Thank you, God, for the love of God. Thank you, God. Now I ask him, would you ask him to deposit the spirit of God's love in you right now? Lord, come on, ask him, Lord, would you deposit that spirit of love deep into my soul? God, I want to respond to my enemies with love. I want to be kind to those that hate me. God, I want to respond in love and compassion and care. So Lord, I reject the spirit of hatred and I receive the spirit of God's love for all people, for all 
all walks of life, for every tribe and tongue and nation. Come on, would you just receive that from the Lord? Let God put a good deposit in you for the love of God right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, one more time. Lift your hands. Can you thank God that he's the Prince of Peace? Come on, thank him that he is full of peace. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't listen to me. Pray it. Thank you that you are a God of peace. You are the Prince of Peace, God. The peace that passes all understanding comes from you. Thank you for the peace of God. For the peace of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now ask him to make you a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper that accommodates everybody, but a peacemaker. Come on, ask him. Lord, make me a peacemaker. Make me a reconciler of people to you. Make me a man, God, who leads others in peace to your name. Come on, say the prayer. Don't listen to me, pray it. I want you to pray it to the Lord. Lord, make me a peacemaker, I pray. I reject the spirit of violence. I reject that insatiable, unsatisfiable lust. And God, I ask you to make me a peacemaker in Jesus' name. Make me a peacemaker with people that don't look like me, people that don't think like me, and people that don't act like me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, lift your hands. Come on, there's a pattern. I don't know if you've noticed. Can you thank God for the faith that we have in his name? Come on, lift your voice. Thank you, God, for the faith that we have. It's faith that moves mountains, God. It's faith that doesn't take very much faith. Lord, it moves mountains. It casts it into the sea. God, thank you that faith heals and delivers and restores and does miracles, God. Thank you that your faith is powerful, is anointed, is great, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now ask him, like the disciples, to increase your faith. Lord, help me to believe. Help me to believe. Come on, ask him. Help me to believe, God. Release the power of God into my life. Let me believe you for impossible things, for ridiculous things. God, for things that, are, that shouldn't even happen, Lord. Let me have such incredible faith, Lord, that I'll never be shaken. I'll never be shaken. My foundation will never be rocked, God. But my faith in you is strong in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you prayed any of those prayers in sincerity, the enemy doesn't want you to live in love and peace and faith. Amen? He wants you to live in hatred and violence and fear. So guess what's coming? A test. Guess who's going to come to steal and kill and destroy the good deposit that God is making in your life. See, it's not a once and done prayer at a moment of a service. It is a life we live every day. So guess what? Tomorrow, probably this afternoon, you're going to have to reject the spirit of the age. You're going to have to say, no, I'm not letting that spirit in my life. You're going to have to let the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit carry you on until you look more like Jesus. Welcome to the club. Amen? I just don't want you to think you're going to walk out of here and poof, 
Maybe you will. Maybe God will do that great miracle. But for the vast majority of us, it is a process of sanctifying our life to look more like Jesus, to reject the spirit of the age. You're going to have lots of opportunity to embrace it. Reject it and embrace the spirits of God. Amen? Amen. Lord, help us do it. Strengthen us to do it. Let us not be afraid. Let us walk with boldness and courage. Let us get our eyes off of our own life and onto the life of your kingdom. For your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.